you know, you're the co-founder of Zapper. You've been in this space for a long time. I want to start with just from you, like as founders kind of evolve over the years, the pitch always gets refined, gets different, gets better. What's your pitch for Zapper right now? Initially, Zapper was really your portfolio tracker for DeFi. So we were surfacing what your investments were on chain in a way that's human readable. Um, today, I kind of turned that into like Zapper gives you on-chain classes. Um, we're making uh, blockchain data human readable for everyone. So that doesn't just, you know, stops itself at uh, surfacing your portfolio. And so it's really getting a clear view of um, know what's happening on chain currently uh, if I, I was to like give a paint a picture of what zapper looks like in the future um for the uh, crypto natives it would be like a retail version of etherscan um where you get this uh clear picture uh, and accurate representation of the things that are happening and and that also includes like the portfolio tracking what nfts you own what DAOs are a part of uh as well that's amazing it's funny I love Etherscan and I go through it and I dig around and I'm all kind of in it. And then I sent a link to my father yeah. on Etherscan and I, <laughs> I was watching him go through it and his eyes were like going in the back of his head. He's like, what does all this mean? What are these things? How do I understand links and numbers and different topics? And so I totally think that a more retail version makes a ton of sense. I guess like what are the top misconceptions about Zapper today that you want to dismantle? Or what are things that you think people don't see yet that you're actually really excited to show them? This is interesting because I did a talk on this uh, at ETH Denver. Uh, and my talk was on talking about on-chain literacy. So how we basically can take data and processes that are you know, happening on-chain and turning that into like actionable insights, like knowing what the hell's going on, basically. And there's two components of that. One is like the macro component, which is uh, how we kind of like model our experiences of crypto, like connecting your wallet, uh, your MetaMask wallet to Uniswap, to OpenSea, how you, you buy money on Coinbase and send it to a wallet. Uh, also relates to Etherscan as well. Like I think a lot of people model their understanding of Ethereum via the lens of Etherscan because it's like a very low level interface that uh, gives a very accurate representation of what Ethereum actually is. Then the second component is like the micro component, which is taking atomic data. It could be like a, a balance in a DeFi protocol, like uh, the, the money you lent on Compound, right? So taking that on-chain information and surfacing it, transforming it into a readable output, say on Zapper. And at Zapper, we've been very you know, focus on the more micro side of things. So taking your positions in compound of a different protocols um, where it's very raw, um, not pretty data on chain and putting it all together in a way that's readable. One area that we're very invested in is the macro side of things. So it's how can we surface or help people model new experiences of the blockchain itself. And First, before I go like into the misconceptions on the Zapper level, I think it's it's good to address like on a general level, like general UX level in crypto, um, what our, our misunderstandings are uh, of crypto. And one very common thing that I'd see, and this is something I'd see with people starting to use Zapper, 
is people would actually think that their money is inside of Zapper and they had to send it to MetaMask. First reaction is, oh, wow, we have a long way to go. But then when you actually dig into it, uh, the reason why a lot of people that come into the space have that idea is because they're coming in with a Web2 mindset where you go on Facebook, you create your profile, you create posts, you add your cover, you go to YouTube, you subscribe to accounts, right? What, what you post there is not shared. And so you have a very siloed and fragmented uh, experience of using apps. Um, the main issue is we're kind of taking that, um, all that baggage and experience into Web3, which builds these wrong, a wrong way to model and experience crypto. Like when you go on Uniswap, you still have a siloed or very isolated experience of crypto where it's normal that, you know, you go on Uniswap and the first thing from a novice user perspective is assume that this is Uniswap stuff, right? And when you go on OpenSea, this is OpenSea stuff. Um, where the actual nature of the blockchain being open, like a vibrant downtown or economy, is kind of abstracted away. And it's something that to me should not be abstracted away. But instead of telling people that, oh, you know, the blockchain is this transparent, open database, it's actually showing it to people, not telling it like, you should actually feel that when you're using crypto. Like, and so that's one aspect that we're really trying to focus on is how do we surface the macro side, the macro understanding of the blockchain. Um, and, you know, that translates directly into the part where a misunderstanding on Zapper is because we've been so focused on um, surfacing the micro part, like balances, um, you know, events and stuff, um, and still put, uh, puts people in the mindset that we're a portfolio tracker. And so where we're trying to break out from is becoming more of like this block explorer, right? This explorer into the blockchain and this way to experience it, this new way of experience it, which is also uh, social in nature. I love it. It actually reminds me when, when I show someone a wallet and they don't realize that using another wallet is actually just a view into the blockchain versus it lives in the wallet. Yep. It's such a moment of, oh, it's the aha moment that most people, when they realize, oh, actually this is just a viewport into the blockchain. And if I mm -hmm. go to a different wallet, it's the same stuff in that wallet because nothing actually lives in the wallet besides the key to access what is the public data on chain. But that is so hard for people. And I actually feel like it's not web two mindset it's problem. Like it's not people's problem. So how do we actually mm -hmm. allow people to realize what's different in more simple ways to move them into web three? Like how do we actually bring them together? Yeah. And it's a really good question. It's something I've been thinking about for a long time. One analogy I like to think about is the blockchain is a downtown. It's a city. You go there sometimes to make some purchases. You'll go to the open sea store uh, buy some some uh, you know some art. You'll go to the Ave Bank, take out a loan. Um, but our experiences, like when you actually take those actions, you're very isolated, right? You don't have the feeling of actually walking downtown and seeing other people doing things. Um, you're kind of walking completely blindly. And the place where we actually experience downtown, where we kind of hack our experience of crypto, is like on Twitter or Telegram or Discord. That's where we get that um, feeling of by proxy of what the blockchain is. It's like this th 
thriving economy. And that's where we share information of what's you know, going on. We'll talk about new mints, uh, this new DeFi protocol. Um, and I think it's more about thinking of like these uh, skeuomorphic ways that we, we can relate our experiences of a blockchain. So like the example of walking in the city and being blinded translate well into our current experience of dApps and seeing the opportunity where how people kind of hack their way into using uh, you know, crypto products to unlock that, that side, like that downtown feel and town square feel. And to me, that's where there's like the, a humong- humongous opportunity because um, it's kind of insane when, you know, I kind of realized is when I'm actually making a transaction, I was like, what's like, if I'm to put that, you know, into percentages, um, what percentage of time did I actually spend using Web3 product to what amounted my decision to actually buying this NFT? And very often, like 99% of our time is actually spent on Twitter. Like most of our transactional experience is actually off-chain, consuming on-chain data relayed uh, on these third parties, uh, which I think is really interesting. But that's where we kind of get our, our downtown feel of what's actually going on. And then we bring that back into crypto products to make decisions. When you think about it that way, not being able to see and build trust based on on-chain data, we're still using an old paradigm of social networks and identity and being able to expose what's happening on-chain to build trust around the new identity, which is wallet addresses, not the old identity, which is the centralized social handles or phone numbers, et cetera, is actually a pretty big shift, but it's so hard to see those signals today. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to go look through Etherscan and make it feel human. I've actually been thinking about this idea of the power of Web3 is that in Web2, it was identity before activity. You would realize who someone was and then you might build trust them and then you would see what they do. And Mm -hmm. in this world, actually, it can be activity before identity. But we got to be able to surface and expose and see that activity to understand if we trust that person. When you think about like the light bulb moment for Zapper for people, what is the language or the, the moment when people go, ah, like this is magic? I think is it's one once we can recreate that downtown feel of it's the place where I go downtown and I can see you going to the OpenSea store and buying an NFT. I can one get information about maybe a new opportunity, but I can also get a a cleaner and a, a, a clearer um, representation of your identity, right? Because I see what you what you're up to and things. And decisions you make and I can see that there's this really popular restaurant that maybe I want to hang out in um, I think that's that's when it really clicks and I think it will be really an iteration towards figuring out exactly how we uh, turn that into interface that you know makes it feel like this vibrant downtown and we often talk about like how identity in web3 is really important but to me, it only makes sense in the context. So like take an example of like Twitter um, being the like current de facto downtown of crypto. Like the problem is we're creating this huge information gap between the chain 
and where the information is actually being presented on Twitter. And that distorts the signal and it distorts it in two ways. One is the identity. The identity of the person can be very different, like meaning a NFT influencer shilling a project could be the worst trader of all time, could be the best one. You have no idea. So the further away um, you are from, you know, the message and the identity, the worse it is. And then the message itself can also be distorted. Um, maybe on chain, um, A is super popular while this person or crypto Twitter is talking about B. And so the message gets very distorted and we each get a very different um, echo chamber of view or window into what is actually happening on chain where the, the chain is actually doesn't care. It is as it is. It does not change depending on who looks at it. Uh, but our experiences right now is as if we own have our union, like a different window into it and each a distorted signal as well. Well, how do you break down those silos? How do you help give people a better window? I think it's um, taking what you do and what you say much closer, basically like in the same place. Um, that to me helps like reducing the distortion of the signal and making, turning that into actual like insight. So seeing that it's something that's human readable, seeing that there's a lot of this myth going on and seeing that the identity of the person sharing it or talking about it is a great trader or a bad trader or that he rugged projects in the past, um, like being able to have a semblance of their identity. Um, and it, to me, it kind of like makes all the pieces fall into place where reputation really matters in that context. The, the fact that you surface that they're a part of DAOs, the fact that you surfaced some good, bad investments, like all that on-chain information that relates to that account makes just way more sense uh, in the context where they're actually relaying information or talking about things um, versus like on Discord, there's still like distance between my identity on Discord and my on-chain identity, even though I connect, you know, via collab land, it's very hard for someone to make that um, direct judgment of, you know, myself. Totally. How do you think about reputation changing or what could reputation look like in the future uh, if this plays out the way that you think would be best? It's a really good question. I think it's, I think reputation right now in the current state is some, it's something that is too user-driven in the sense that in Web2, you can kind of create the identity that you want. You can put up the illusion of who you are and it becomes much harder to do in Web3. And I think right now we still have that problem where people can create their own illusions of who they are in terms of reputation and people rely on that to do it. And so... I think it makes it just harder to gamify your reputation or your identity. People will kind of figure out different ways to do it. But once you have like one source that, um, you know, shows data exactly as it is without distorting in any way, uh, I think it's something that's really important because you don't have the person in the middle trying to distort it to take advantage of someone else, right? 
Totally. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. And especially in the collecting world or the trading world, where if someone's trying to, you know, all the, all these pump and dump schemes happen. And I think it, you know, gave the web three world a bad rap and rightfully so. I, I really am a believer that we need to like clean up a lot of things and make it more transparent. And mm-hmm. for what you're doing to be able to bring the person closer to their actions. And so, you know, that if they're saying a bunch of stuff, and you can really simply see that all the past things they've done were all just kind of like pump and dump schemes or they're all mm-hmm. just crashing. Uh, you could know that before you even had to think about trusting this message. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really, really powerful idea. I'm curious about how you see DeFi in general right now, but also what are the speed bumps you need to help people navigate that would be helpful? I think currently DeFi is a bit in a weird spot where if you if you break it you know into like its most fundamental part like it's about financializing the digital economy um and i think a lot of uh, early defi um was that it was taking like uh native crypto use cases uh, like taking eth and freeing up making it more capital efficient uh, efficient I think with time, one trap or speed bump that came along the way was taking traditional finance or financial instruments that we knew from traditional finance and porting in, porting them over to uh, Web3. I think like that's a normal habit that we have to like take old systems and take our new system because it's much more efficient and repackage kind of similar products. Where I'm very excited about DeFi, and maybe some people will say this is not DeFi, is actually NFT Fi, because uh, it is kind of uh, in a similar vein, um, making this digital economy more efficient, where NFTs are currently not super efficient. They're sitting in your wallet, um, very illiquid. And a lot of uh, the innovation happening in NFT Fi is currently helping people turn those into more efficient things. and higher bandwidth. And so I think that's where kind of DeFi comes in and makes things really interesting. Can you say more about the NFT Fi? I would love yeah. to hear more about what makes it more efi- efficient. What makes it higher bandwidth? What are all the use cases in your mind um, when you think about NFT Fi or even DAOs? One thing you've talked about a lot is it's not just like an evolution of JP Morgan, right? Yeah. Decentralized finance and DeFi is actually much, much bigger and a bigger breadth than people think. Yeah, well, like before, like if you think about finance, uh, finance uh, is actually something that like is the language of risk and value. And it's something that's deeply embedded in every human. And even children can like trade complex derivatives without even realizing it. Like uh, in the schoolyard, I'll buy this Pokemon card in two weeks for this amount, right? Uh, Or I'll trade this one in two weeks. Like these are things that we kind of natively do, but in traditional finance, we have very complex language uh, because the older system was much harder to scale uh, globally. And so we had to build a system that kind of matched that. But in crypto, we can kind of re- reinvent our own rules. NFT Fi, uh, like in terms of current use cases, uh, some of them are lending your NFT, borrowing, renting. Like currently the use cases aren't like... Uh, that many early DeFi 
you had ETH whales that were sitting on a ton of ETH that was just not doing anything. It was kind of just locked in their wallet. And then eventually you had Maker Compound, which allowed them to put ETH inside a vault and then mint a stable coin. Uh, not Compound, but Maker. Uh, compound you could borrow uh, stuff. And so suddenly, instead of just having ETH that was kind of locked up and couldn't do anything, you freed up capital that could then be invested in startups that could be done for a bunch of different use cases. So it unlocked a lot of efficiency in the Web3 markets. Similarly, in NFT and the first use cases are actually NFT whales, like Dingling, for example, that has 100 bored apes that are just sitting uh, in their wallet, not doing much, that can suddenly unlock capital to be able to do more things. What I think is interesting is because I think NFTs are really a gateway into crypto, I think they're also a gateway into helping people become much more financially uh, savvy or educated. Even though I have a degree in finance, I learned most of what I know about finance via DeFi. I hope that can kind of bring the same thing with, with NFTs as well. I think we all want more utility, more ways to use NFTs, um, yeah. and just to see that kind of space evolve. How do you also think about DAOs, DAOs and DeFi? DAOs are uh, also interesting in the sense of a lot of people see it as the company 2.0. Some people see it more as a really decentralized, like autonomous way of doing things. And I, I think we're still like very early on. We're trying to figure out like turning a company into DAO won't necessarily make it more efficient, but organizing people through a mission like buying the... Um, constitution right uh like we see like yeah. we could see dao as a great way to organize people around a simple mission i think where it'll become really interesting is when it's not like a simple mission or the ways to get to that mission is much more complex like it's very different between put money in a jar to buy this thing and you're part of a dao and like building say zapper or a complex protocol where you need like deep knowledge and like like figuring out how to coordinate at scale, those kind of things. Awesome. In in all of this, whether it was earlier talking about bringing the message closer to the on-chain interactions or the DAOs or the NFT use cases, one thing that's so present in all of this vision is the role of fans. And like fandom, whether it's Marvel or gaming or music, is so durable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't care about the stock market. And fans want to talk to each other about what they love, share mm -hmm. what they know transact around it. And so fans seem like this incredibly fertile area for growth for DeFi and Web3 and the communications intersection. Like, what do you think about the role of fans and how that plays into this the kind of Web3 culture uh, evolving? That's a really good one, actually, because you can see like how people approach uh, protocols. It's a bit how they approach sport sport teams, right? Totally. Um, like Link Marines, Synthetic Spartans. Because um, a bit like a sport team, you know, you adhere to the value values of your team. You feel this sense of like it's your home, right? You know, you feel like you're in a community with others that are like you. I think that's really, really powerful, especially powerful in the context of like a shared mission and vision about the world. At its core, it's really just about a sense of belonging. Um, like 
you're you're gonna build this fandom with other people um where you feel like you're heard or your values are are heard by others and I think that's something that's actually pretty powerful in this space. I want to go a little different direction here to end. And, you know, this space can get a lot of flack for people trying to pump their bags, bro traders, a lot of stuff like that. But you seem to be like such a genuine kind of person. And I'm just curious, what's your like, why? Like, what keeps you going? You know, like, what is the thing behind you that's driving you? The first thing is I love to build products that make people happy, that people love. So like if I, I can do that, that'll make me happy. Um, the second thing is I kind of want uh, people to experience the blockchain the way I kind of experienced it. And this is not like a, uh, I don't want to frame it as like an egotistical way of like promoting like my beliefs to the world, but more in like, I saw what kind of it did to me uh, in terms of a founder. Like I've always kind of felt snobbed by Silicon Valley. I had two startups before um, that both failed for different reasons. Um, didn't feel like I, I could, you know, I, I fit in and, into, into the industry. And this allowed me to, you know, build a, a company um, and find opportunities like, Zapper came as a result of me discovering DeFi and actually paying attention to the chain and talking to people and really discovering and falling into the rabbit hole. And initially, my whole reason of building Zapper was to be able to understand my investments, to make better decisions from them. And so it always came from the lens of when I came in, I was like the average retail user that was like, what the hell, I'm going to read Etherscan to understand my, my DeFi positions. And eventually came to, well, I need to, you know, do this to be able to unlock uh, myself and understand my portfolio and do things and then extend it to helping others understand the blockchain itself. If we stick to the belief that the blockchain is something that increases financial freedom, meaning that someone in India can freely participate in DeFi, find new opportunities, find a collector that they like, or they're an artist that can now distribute their art to everyone around the world. The number one problem we have to solve to increase this economic freedom is allow people to understand the chain and access it more directly. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much like what powers me uh, and you know everyone at Zappers. How can we unlock these these superpowers, economical superpowers for everyone uh, around the world? Because I I kind of saw the effect that it had on me, and I can see what it can do to others. Can we go back to the beginning and get a little more yes. personal? Because a lot of people like to say, you know, I love building things people love. Yeah. But you also said that you felt like an outsider and it really yeah. helped unlock it for you. And you had a couple yeah. of failed startups. Yeah. How are they related? Like what's underneath the statement? I, I get happy when I make products people love. Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a, a tough, it's a tough question to answer. Um, I think it's it's kind of like seeing what it you know brings them. Um, what does it do for you feeling like an outsider? Like yeah. What 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 actually personally is going on that it, that this space has done to like actually change that feeling or make you believe in yourself more? 
I think it's because like, I feel like the space gave me a shot that I wasn't given before. I had a pretty good background, but nobody built startups where I was from. It's not like something that, you know, people do up in, in Quebec. It was really hard to find kind of a crack or my way into the, uh, to the industry. Um, and I, I feel like the space kind of gave me that opportunity. Can you take me yeah. to a, um, a moment when you remember someone using your product and you, you thought, uh, I think we're onto something. I think, I think we have it. Yeah. I think it was like the first product request. It was like, what was it? You know, when you talk to a user and you're pushing to get feedback. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's my biggest, this fault. case was very I used different to do it all the time. Like, do you yeah. like this? this you really is, like this. Tell me you like this. It's a very different type of feeling of you're getting feedback thrown at you. Uh, the product is pulling you. Right. Uh, totally. and that's, that's the feeling I had in early on. Um, and you know, it, even though it was like a very small amount of users, uh, I think after the first few weeks it was maybe like 25 or 50, they were all always coming back to, to Zapper, uh, they were retaining and they were always put like heavy dialogue with myself to get new updates or fix things. I, you could just really feel it. Um, and this was in early 2020. Um, and around that time, um, like that was when COVID started, the markets like completely crashed. Um, but I still decided to like pursue Zapper, you know, full-time drop my, my part-time job because one is like, I, I saw how difficult it was to, um, get to that point uh, before because of my, my failed startups before. And also just the fact that like you're, I was being pulled in a way, like, my users were dragging me forward. Um, and so it ma makes it very different than just like pushing and pushing and to find something, right? Totally. That's the best feeling ever. When you get to like the, the product market pull, now yep. you're having to push. I mean, it yep. really changes everything. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, listen, we need more people like you in the space. I really appreciate your like genuineness and your kind of inspiration for many building in the space. And so I just want to say thank you from all of us. And I really appreciate you, Seb, doing the interview today. Awesome. Thank you, Shane. Thank you.